Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 27th of July and on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1945 and we travel to Germany where today Dietrich Bonhoeffer's parents learnt of his execution by Nazis at Flossenburg concentration camp through a radio broadcast from London. The news of his death reached the family when the BBC broadcast a memorial service for Bonhoeffer led by Bishop George Bell in the Holy Trinity Church in London. He had actually been hanged on the 9th of April 1945. See the podcast of April the 8th. As the Nazi regime was collapsing. A theologian and pastor, he was accused of being associated with a plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler and was quickly tried along with other plotters, including his brother, a lawyer and former members of the Abwehr. Bonhoeffer has become an icon of Christian resistance to the Nazis and was included recently in the statues of modern martyrs which stand at the western door of Westminster Abbey in London. And just recently, the memoirs of Suzanne Bonhoeffer, his younger sister, have been rediscovered. And these provide an excellent insight into her family's life and reveal new insights about the Bonhoeffer family and those last days of Dietrich's life. She had been sent by her family to visit him every week in prison and support him as far as possible. Bonhoeffer was born in Breslau, which was then in Germany now as in Poland, into a large and notable family. In addition to his other siblings, Dietrich had a twin sister, Sabine Bonhoeffer, and they were the sixth and the seventh out of eight children in an intellectually curious and vibrant family. His oldest brother, Karl Friedrich Bonhoeffer, became a chemist and discovered the spin isomers of hydrogen in 1929. This would become useful later in MRI scans. Walter Bonhoeffer, the second oldest, had been killed in action during World War I when the twins were, seven, were 12. And the third child, Klaus, was a lawyer and he too would be executed for his involvement in the 20th of July plot. Both of Bonhoeffer's oldest sisters, the fourth and fifth children respectively, Ursula and Christel, married, married men who also were eventually executed. By the Nazis. Christel was imprisoned by the Nazis but survived and Sabine and her, their younger sister Suzanne each married men who survived Nazism. His cousin would become the German ambassador to the United Kingdom in the 70s and his father was a psychiatrist and a neurologist noted for his criticism of Sigmund Freud and his mother Paula was a teacher and the granddaughter of the Protestant theologian Karl van von Hasse. This environment led to Dietrich receiving a high level of education and also encouraged his own curiosity, which in turn impacted in his ability to lead others around him, specifically in the church setting. His book, which is now considered a classic of type, The Cost of Discipleship, was originally published with the title 
Nachfolge, literally the act of following. It was published as the Nazi regime was growing in power and it's an exposition of the Sermon on the Mount in which Bonhoeffer spells out what he believes it means to follow Christ. The cost of discipleship has become influential mainly because of the this distinction that Bonhoeffer makes between cheap and costly grace. He explains that cheap grace is to preach forgiveness without requiring repentance, to give baptism without church discipline, and to receive communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus Christ living in incarnate. Cheap grace, according to Bonhoeffer, is to hear the gospel preached as follows, Of course you have sinned, but now everything is forgiven, so you can stay as you are and enjoy the consolations of forgiveness. It contains no demand for discipleship. In contrast to costly grace, this confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and to the contrite heart. It is costly because it compels somebody to submit to the yoke of Christ and to follow him. And it is grace because Jesus says, My yoke is easy and my burden light. Bonhoeffer's exposition of Christian history relies on a hermeneutic that is strongly Lutheran and quite historically limited. He claims that obedience to the living Christ had been gradually lost in the early church beneath formula and ritual and argues that grace eventually could be sold for monetary gain, referring to the scandal around indulgences that precipitated the Reformation. But according to him, the monastic movement kept a purer and older vision of Christ's call alive, but it excluded the laity. And so the commandments of Jesus were limited to a, a restricted group of specialists. He argues that the monastic movement, instead of serving as a pointer for all Christians, became a justification for the status quo which was rectified by Luther at the Reformation, when, abandoning the Augustinians, he brought Christianity out of the cloister. He doesn't present a particularly nuanced view of the monastic movement, and he seems to ignore the reforms that took place in the 12th century, with the Augustinian rule, which Luther had adopted early in his life, and the rise of the mendicant communities such as the Franciscans, Carmelites, Dominicans, Servites and Augustinians, who lived in city convents among the people instead of being secluded in monasteries. However, the cost of discipleship remains influential in Protestant circles, and Bonhoeffer was writing this at a time when the majority of the evangelical and Protestant churches had been co-opted in Germany by the Nazis under the dubious leadership of Ludwig Müller. 
As this Nazification of the Protestant Church accelerated, a small opposition had met in a church synod in the Barmen, led by Bonhoeffer and Karl Barth, and they would release the courageous Barmen Declaration. See the podcast of April the 20th. However, eight years later, the Nazi regime was in its last death throes. The Russian army was advancing on Berlin. The British and the Americans had been launching devastating bombing raids on German cities. March and April 1945 would see a terrible vortex of violence as the Germans rushed to execute prisoners and as they retreated destroyed evidence of the atrocities that had been carried out, massacring people in concentration camps and Hitler shot himself in his bunker on April 30th. It was in the context of these violent spasms of an evil regime that Bonhoeffer's family waited anxiously to hear news of their relatives. Like many German citizens, waiting anxiously for news, they also tried to survive and avoid being annihilated by the Allied air raids. And Susanna's diaries give us a first-hand account of the execution of her brother Klaus, who had been arrested alongside Dietrich. Klaus wrote his moving farewell to his parents, wife and children with his hands tied up. Since this day we have not heard anything from Dietrich. His prison in Prince Albuquerque had also been hit by bombs and the inmates were untraceable. Maria travelled from one concentration camp to the next, as best as she could, in order to find Dietrich, all in vain. And now it was time for her to follow her family, mother, grandmother and younger siblings, into the West. Every day, Ursula and Emmy came with cooked food, which those sentenced to death were entitled to receive, to the prison in Lettrestrasse. Only once in December had they obtained a visiting permit, and every day now the tension was unbearable. When will we be conquered at last? And when will the doors of the prison open up? Tragically today, on July the 27th, they learned that the doors of the prison would not open up for Dietrich. And she continues in her first-hand account to Klaus's death. On February the 2nd, 1945, Klaus and Rudiger were sentenced to death. Klaus rejected the farce of an appointed attorney and he defended himself. And this means, as we know from his guard, he openly attacked not only the entire Nazi regime, but also the unlawful behaviour of Freisler, since he knew he would lose his head anyway. Rudiger's guard came to Ursel with tears in his eyes to pass on her to her the bad news of his death sentence. Rudiger had asked him to pass by the same evening and to remind Ursel as a last farewell of the Bible verse chosen for his confirmation. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The guard did not know what time the sentence would be executed, maybe in the early morning hours, but it could also take some more days. 
I took my bicycle and cycled up and down between the train stations, hoping to meet either the parents or Ursel. Finally, I met Ursel at home, lying on a couchette. I sat down at the foot of it, and she began to talk, not only about the inner city of Berlin, which was completely destroyed now, but also of her conversation. When the advance warning of the bombing raid came, bombing raid came in, I said that I would not sit in a bunker with the same people who had sentenced my husband to death. Just when I left, I added, You have convicted innocent people, but I tell you, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, they will also reap. Later, when Christelle came into the room, we told her everything, even what Ursel had said about God who is not mocked. And this is how Christelle reacted. Why did the US forces not carry out this air raid yesterday? Then the sentences would not have been passed, and eventually they would have been able to escape. My parents too got stuck in this heavy air raid, and they wandered long distances in the burning city. They returned totally blackened by smoke. When my father came into the room, he had washed himself, but his snow-white hair was black from grime. He looked into my surprised face, and with a fine, heartbreaking smile, he said to me, Yes, this is how we become young again. The dignity and authoritative posture of my parents was a great support for the whole family, children as well as grandchildren. For my mother, who had always tried with all her activities to change things for the better for her children, it was very hard to remain passive. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the discovery of an Iron Age standing stone in Egypt which gave us fascinating information about ancient Israel at the time of Moses. I hope you've enjoyed listening. For links to any of the reading that I've done to research this, visit us on www.pogp.net. And if you'd like to request a topic or ask any questions, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. If you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. And have a lovely day wherever you are. And thanks for listening.